0: Hello and welcome to the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast, a TTRPG podcast with a twist. Different characters playing each week, different systems each week, different stories each week. You want to try a new system? Have a look down our episodes, so go on to your app, give it a scroll, yeah? Like that, yeah? We may well have one to suit your tastes. And of course, if you are yourself an indie TTRPG designer and want us to play your system then feel free to email firebreathingkittenspodcast at gmail.com, and I'm sure we can sort something out. Now, speaking of weird new systems, this week we're playing Dicing with Death. You probably haven't heard of it, unless you listened last week. Now, Dicing with Death is a fiction-first dice-based TTRPG that exclusively uses D6s. So those are the QB ones. Uh, challenges are overcome by contested dice rolls against the GM who takes on the role of death itself. No power trips here. You will always find yourself at a disadvantage having to use your wits and guile to survive, risking your own safety and the safety of your party to defy the odds and weave your own tail. So basically, it's a fiction first improv heavy system and the rules are much more like guidelines. The aim of the game is basically just to have fun and tell a good story. But granted, I should probably tell you how the roles work just so you can understand There's going on. So, as I said, we only roll d6s, and each roll is against me, the GM, i.e., death. I basically start things off by saying how many dice I'm gonna roll, like 1d6, 2d6, 3d6, you get the picture, and then what will happen if the player wins, and what will happen if I win. The player then tries to negotiate some more dice for themselves to roll through different things we will cover later. Once we're agreed on the dice rolling and all the consequences thereof, we roll. And then simply put, the highest number wins. So if my highest dice is a six and theirs is a five, I win. If our highest roll is tied, the next highest number wins. So if I roll a five and a three and the player rolls a five and a five, they win. Because that first five, that cancels out, moves on down to a five against a three. And of course, five is bigger than three. Congratulations. After that, the consequences happen and then we move on with our lives. So that is basically it. We'll cover anything else as we play. So this is effectively a live play test of this TTRPG. So things may be a bit rocky. They may be a bit weird. I mean, the weirdness is built into the system, but things might be a bit unbalanced. That's all right. That's how games develop. But of course, if you are interested in playing this game for yourself uh, after you've listened to this episode or partway through the episode if you're really into it you are more than welcome to send an email on dicingwithdeath ttrpg at gmail.com and you can play with your own group your own friends anyway this is the second of the companion episode so last week's episode was a doozy so if you listened to that one then you know what i mean if you haven't it's a good time. Go have a listen to it. But this week, we have the same premise as last week, more or less, but with entirely different characters, so it's going to be completely different to what happened last week. So even if you have listened to last week's one, then it's an entirely different ride this time around. So let's see who's going to go down this particular log flume of weirdness. So our characters joining us this week are Mary.
1: Uh, what hell? My name is Mary Elizabeth Sturt. I dare not know wherefore I am here, but I am. Uh, I am of middling class, a merchant's daughter. Brunette hair, ruddy skin, eyes of brown. I wear a pale blue linen kirtle with a front lace bodice over a white dress. And I am in a strange world and looking for a friend. But truth be told, I don't know exactly what I'm doing here.
0: I think it's important to mention at this point that Mary comes from our universe, but from about 400 years ago.
1: Well, I do think that that'd be obvious.
0: Well, yes, maybe to you, but um, some people are not quite as educated as you or I.
1: Mm, yes, it does make sense.
2: Next up is Beau. Well, howdy there. My name is Bo Duset. I am from the great state of Louisiana, and I am six foot five, two hundred sixty-four pound, middle linebacker for the LSU Tigers, and I am wearing a varsity jacket, black t-shirt, pair of jeans, and a white high top sneakers. Go Tigers. Here's another one <laughs> this <is> from our <laughs> universe. So you're seeing a bit
0: of a pattern here. Let's see if we can fix that with Arby.
3: Greetings. I am Arby, Atlas. I am a human appearing, five foot eight inches tall. I have pale, nearly translucent skin, dark black hair, and violet eyes. I commonly wear an olive drab flight suit. I have a fire-breathing kitten's tattoo on my right forearm. Although I appear human on the outside, inside I am scrapped together from parts of the Atlas space station. The pattern is complete. (laughs) 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 So you know how I said that this week's
0: episode is going to be completely different to last week's? That's your reason. So, how about we get right into it? The three of you wake up on the floor. You have no idea how you got there, but you're in the same space. And opening your eyes, you see what appears to be some sort of waiting room. So, you know, the sort of waiting room where you go into the doctors and they've got seats all around the edge and that sort of thing. It's that sort of thing, but it's a magical room that looks different to each one of you to make you feel at ease. You're in the same location, so you're physically next to each other, but it looks different to each one of you. So how does it look for each one of you?
2: I think Bo kind of pushes himself up off the floor and he looks around and all of a sudden he is back in his college locker room that he knows quite well. For those who are not football fans, LSU is purple and gold. Uh, they have a tiger as a mascot. So uh, there's just all sorts of this regalia. And I imagine that's what the waiting room looks like. So Bo kind of gets up off the floor and he looks around to see Arby and Mary next to him. And he gets really excited for a second, but then he looks at his friends around and he's just like, I don't know if we're home.
1: So does each person see the waiting room a little differently? Yeah. So Mary, when she looks around, she sees her father's merchant business hall. So dirt-packed or wood flooring from late 1500s, like London era. I'm not a historian. I don't exactly know what it looks like. But it is definitely older, lit by candles, and um, there's a writing desk, and there's bookshelves and uh, an accounting book open on that desk. And she gets up very hurriedly and says, sounds, me thinks I'm home. Well, you
2: and me both. Maybe we solved our problem.
3: Um, Arby slowly uh sits up into a reclining or into a uh seated position and, and looks around and says, Yes, we are home. We are in Nar Bone Grinder's workshop where I was first created. No. Wonder locker room. Don't you see it? Sir,
1: I think thou art mistaken. Clearly this is my father's business.
3: Is your father a engineer from the planet Palantin? Or the head coach? Uh,
1: I pretty I'm not what what words dost thou speak? Okay speakest? (laughs) All
2: right, take a look now. And and Bo walks over to a row of a row of lockers and he opens one and he says, Look, this one's mine here. Where's all my
1: stuff? When he goes to open the locker, does he like does it look like he's opening something in my father's office? Uh, Yeah, so
0: I think to you, Mary, it would seem as though he walks over and maybe there's a a cabinet on the wall in which your father kept some of his, like, ledgers and accounting books.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, Mary immediately rushes forward and um, she doesn't quite, like, push you out of the way, Bo, but she shuts the cabinet and says, be gone from there.
2: I mean, this is my locker. What do you mean, be gone?
1: Yours. Tis mine.
2: No, see, it's got my nameplate right there. And Bo points to where it clearly says B. Doucette.
1: Thou art surely mistaken. Tis my father's ledger's cabinet. And Mary will go in and like pick up one of the ledger books, and it clearly says Henry Stewart on it.
3: On the planet Zarthan 4, there are commonly mists that confuse the senses and cause people to see multiple different things. I believe we are in a case of misunderstanding our current reality. Bong. Huh. Bong. Bong. Do you hear that An ominous
0: bonging noise for want of a better phrase <laughs> echoes in the waiting room and in front of the three of you appears a door etched into the wall and it opens and through it comes a voice which says Mary, Bo, Arby, please come in.
1: Thou dost hearken upon those words, yes?
3: Yeah, I hear that one too. I am very unfamiliar with this feeling. However, there seems to have been a temperature anomaly across the outer skin of my body.
1: Prithee in plain English, Sarah.
3: I am chilled. <laughs> what is this sensation?
1: Tis fear mayhaps.
3: Back home we call those things goosebumps. How does one cure these... Bumps of a goose.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so happy with this group. I'm just I'm very happy right now.
0: I I love this. No one understands anything anyone else is saying. No.
1: (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Well,
0: we could just spend the entire episode in this one room if you want to.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, holding, she's going to keep hold of her father Henry's ledger book and Mary says well if thou both dost be cowards I shall go in first and she just walks straight through the door trying not to look scared
2: Bo kind of looks around and he's just like well I don't know what you're really
3: trying to do with my knee pads there but
2: I guess I'm going to go in <laughs> after you
3: Father is going to be very disappointed I allowed someone into his tools. I must follow after.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On the other side of the door, you find yourselves in what looks to be an office. There's a desk in the middle, and there is a figure sat behind the desk wearing a dark hooded robe. And they are tapping on some pieces of slate, which seem to be inscribing different runes and... As you walk in, Mary, the book, kind of fades from your arms. You you see those knee pads vanish from Mary's hands. And R.B., I guess you feel quite relieved that whatever laser screwdriver or whatever (laughs) it was (laughs) fades into nothingness because you won't get in trouble. Um, The figure looks at the three of you and just says, Ah, welcome. Please sit down. and." waves a hand, and three chairs appear from nothingness for you to take a seat.
2: Yeah, I think Bo sits down. Can't be any weirder than what I've been through in the
3: past couple of weeks here. Um, Arby will have a seat and say, "Uh, Tell me, figure, how do I relieve myself of these bumps of goose? <laughs> <laughs> All in good time.
1: Uh, Mary will remain standing. As soon as she saw the chairs moving, she just immediately, like, stopped. And then like with the disappearance of her records, she is very suspicious and like she'll stand behind the chair but she'll look directly at this hooded figure and say in like the most serious like the most serious tone, "Dost thou be a pawn of Satan for thou practice mi- witchcraft?"
0: Well, the short answer is no, but if you are uh Uncomfortable with this situation, then may I offer you a fainting couch? And then waves a hand again, and the chair turns into a fainting couch.
1: <laughs> Mary just immediately faints into it. <laughs> but after a few minutes, or a few moments, she just kind of like rouses herself back up. <sighs> Thank you.
3: Arby is going to lean over to Beau and say, She walked in here with such determination, and yet she f- falls upon the couch as if strucken. What has happened? You know, I don't know if I'm the one to answer
2: that question.
1: (laughs) You can see Mary's actually like now inspecting the quality of the couch. She's just kind of muttering to herself. Oh, such luxury. Tis fit for a prince. She's immediately like, okay with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I believe introductions are in order. I um am... Death.
1: Mary faints again.
2: I think Bo also
1: faints. (laughs) 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 But then she wakes up and she's like, but I wake still. How dost thou be death?
0: To be more accurate, I am merely a a facet of the Great Ones being, and I deal with uh, incoming souls to the afterlife, which brings me on to your being here. I'm afraid to... Tell you that, uh, the three of
2: you are dead. Bo just kind of looks up and he's like, Oh, Mondo, I didn't realize it was going to be my time this quick, but...
3: Nay, thou are telling a falsehood. I am not understanding how a being fabricated from parts could be dead. Well, one second,
0: and they reach over and grab one of the bits of slate. Ah. Uh, yes, yeah, so... I don't suppose any of you are experts in multidimensional pathology, are you?
2: I'm an expert in many things. Multidimensional pathology. Not one of them.
0: No, I thought not. Uh, the short answer is, uh, for the two of you, Mary and Bo, neither of you are from the dimension you died in. And someone sneezed on you. Would well, that ain't very nice of them. Well, no, but... Your uh, bodies were unable to deal with the uh, the viruses, and uh, soon you passed away. You, Arby, when the other two passed, they... Well, it was in the same room. You all went to a, a local physician. When they passed, you, I must say, rather panicked. You grabbed what I believe to be a resuscitation device, but you touched the wrong ends and... Electrocuted yourself to death.
1: Uh, this is too funny. <laughs> we caught a cold and died, and Arby got electrocuted by an ADR.
3: <laughs> I find this situation you propose quite alarming, but also somewhat flattering, as I did not see myself as being in possession of a soul.
0: Interesting enough, from our records, you appear to have gained possession of part of the soul of, I can't read the writing, bone grinder. Is that right? Yes, that would be correct. Yes, that would be what allowed you to enter this land. I imagine, oh yes, there's quite a few stamps on your record. You you must have caused quite a lot of confusion when you entered.
3: So, GM, could I make... The equivalent of an insight check to see if i actually believe this whole scenario or if this is like some big illusion or grift
0: i don't mind telling you that it is 100 percent not a grift okay. and as the being kind of talks your memories start to come back like in the little bits until you go
3: oh yeah that was embarrassing <laughs> so so as bizarre a situation as this is i feel that it's true yeah, like you, I you, feel like this you, there is a,
0: there is a sense of this makes sense, and you kind of you can picture the room where it all happened and the actions leading up. You can't remember the exact moment, but it's like you can remember reaching for the the machine to try and resuscitate the other two, and after that, well,
3: I I would propose that perhaps our lines had been cut short. Is there any means to rectify the situation for me and my companions?
1: As soon as Arby says that, Mary, who has been sitting on the edge of the seat, like stands very suddenly and says, Indeed, indeed, as Arby hath said, this cannot be. You are a liar and a rascal. If it wasn't a shipwreck that got me,
2: I don't think a little cold would have got me. Plus, I, gotta, I still got to look for Camille.
1: Indeed, my friend as well. We cannot die here. We must live.
2: Are you looking for one of them too?
1: Yes, indeed, my good friend Anne.
2: Bo takes a look back at uh, back at Death, and he says, "All right, now. So, uh, what we what we got to do to get us uh, get us back? Because it uh, looks like uh, myself and my friend here we need to go find our partners." Yes,
0: and that is exactly, strangely enough, the reason why you sit before me today. At the moment, we are trialing a new scheme in what you know to be the afterlife. We call it the land of the dead, but you can think of it as the same thing. We're trialing a new scheme so that those who have died accidentally and before what we would call a narratively appropriate moment, they have the opportunity to travel back to the land of the living to fulfill whatever narrative purpose they may have left unfinished as it were however it is a strictly an opt-in thing i, I take it it is something you're interested in but we just uh, require some
2: confirmation on your part that you are in fact interested bo slams his hands down on the desk
3: and he's like i'm in go
2: Tigers!" <laughs> <laughs>
1: Indeed, you have my confirmation as well.
3: What are the stipulations and timeframes of said window of opportunity for returning to deal with our situations?
0: You ask the most pertinent questions. You must have this here, and they push over to you another piece of slate. On it are kind of runes which coalesce themselves into writing that you can understand. This is the Great Tablet of Mulligan. It will allow you to, I want to a better <laughs> word, try again. So if you read down here and then you have a look down and it says something along the lines of like, I, the undersigned, hereby take under guidance of the processor, and Death goes, that's me, the ability to travel back to the land of the living from the land of the dead, on the stipulation that should, for whatever reason, I fail to transfer my soul back to the land of the living, then I give up my right to uh, travel through the afterlife in the normal way and take a shortcutted route into the lands beyond. This is your opportunity to go back to the land of the living. And if you should not be able to do that for whatever reason, there is a, there is a certain time limit because your souls will be marked to travel to the land of the living, which means they are no longer stable in the land of the dead. If you fail to leave in time, your souls will depart to the great nothingness beyond, which is where all dead people's souls go. It's just yours have an expedited trip.
3: Uh, Bo, my n- new associate, uh, would this please you in finding your tiger friend, Camille? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bo just kind of looks at looks at Arby for a second, and he's like, you know what? Close enough. All right. I'm in. Where do I sign? Uh, right down here, sir. And
0: there's a line underneath. Just um, take your finger and
2: sign your name. Bo does so, and as he does, he says, well, this was almost as easy to sign as my NIA deal. All right.
1: Mary will think for a minute and then look at Death and say, I prithee, add a single change. If... Tis not possible to get to the land of the living by our own means and merits, then yay. But if tis due to forces beyond mine or our control, then another chance we should get.
0: And how would one define chances beyond your control?
1: Mm, An act of God, surely.
2: I mean, she's got a point. You got to admit, there was some sort of act of God in that one iron ball with the kick six. You know the one I'm talking about. Everybody knows the one I'm talking about. If that wasn't an act of God, then I don't know what is. If there's one of those, then I feel like we should get a do-over. That wasn't fair.
1: Certainly. As Bill has said.
0: I will make one quick amendment, and they take their finger and just swipe along one of the lines, and then it just says, there will be no acts of God on this trip.
3: <laughs> I have not met this god, but this pleases me.
1: And thou canst gainsay that there shall be no acts of god. Tis within your power to do so.
0: Yes, well, that particular great one has not a lot of interest in the goings-on of the underworld.
1: You are surely a spawn of Satan, but apparently th- there is no choice. And so Mary
3: signs. And Arby will- sign likewise after that excellent that is all
0: settled and as of now and clicks a finger and your um fire breathing kittens tattoos wherever they uh, happen to be they start glowing green a bright green light as of now your souls are marked for journey to the land of the living as i said if you for whatever reason spend too long in the land of the dead, your souls will be forfeit and will progress to the great nothingness beyond. So I would implore you not to tarry too long on frivolities in the land of the dead.
3: Death, might I say that your orderliness and fairness in this situation has been impressive.
0: Well, thank you. We don't have a feedback form, but it's... it is appreciated. (laughs) I will leave you to your quest your next stop is to find the boatman who will take you up the river to the gate to the land of the living and then they provide instructions so you can just you can find it when you should so wish so uh i think that's just about everything you know how to get there oh my it's lunch uh should be off see you (laughs) (laughs) and the office and everything else dissolves around you and you find yourself in a very confusingly loud marketplace it's a mishmash of cultures so there's bizarre type deals people with like boxes of they sell in the land of probably bones mostly bones (laughs) bone waxing material, that sort of a thing. Lots (laughs) of myrrh, I would imagine. And then off to the sides, you've got like great temples kind of mashed into each other. And you can see large kind of green ethereal towers rising from slightly smaller buildings. And it's just a lot going on. So there are people walking by you who look, some look quite similar to you uh, in the sense that They look just a bit more pale, a bit more gaunt, almost as if they've been dried out somewhat. Some others uh, look almost transparent, so the skin goes transparent. You can see the skeleton underneath, but they're all walking by and talking to each other quite happily for the most part.
2: I think as Bo takes this in, he just kind of looks around. He looks at the tattoo um, and just shakes his head and he's... Oh, Boan and Yudkuyan, what are you getting yourself into now? (sighs) All right. And he's going to look around uh, to see if uh, Mary and Arby are around. They're standing right next to you. Okay. So what's the game plan here?
1: Surely it is to find the boatman. We must not tarry.
3: Mary, uh, some of the things you spoke about have me quite concerned. Are these bumps of goose caused by this witchcraft you suggested?
1: Nay, nay. Goose flushed his... uh, Mm, A feeling. Satan is
3: a force. I think we should stay clear of this, Satan. Indeed. Uh, Where would you recommend we look for this river?
1: I am unfamiliar with this place. Is it familiar to thou and thee?
3: No, but I think I'll figure it out. In my experience, boats can often be seen on the horizon from a higher vantage point. Perhaps we get up somewhere high and might see... The rigging or some, you know, semblance of where these boats are located? Uh, I think Bo kind of bends down, gestures for Arby to get on his shoulders, and he's like, come on now, middleman. I know I have a slight frame, but I am alarmingly heavy for my size. Are you sure you can lift me? I'll try.
0: Well, that sounds like a perfect time (laughs) to try out the, the challenge mechanic. So, how this normally works is that... Uh, the character tries to do something which I deem as kind of risky or could have unintended consequences. So in this case, I would uh, set a difficulty for this. I will just say, I'm going to roll 1d6. Basically, the lowest difficulty it could get because all you're trying to do is lift up your friend. So on a success, so if you win, then you successfully lift him up due to your own training. Um, if I win, so if my dice roll is higher, then you'll tweak something in your back and you're unable to lift him. And mechanically, I'm not going to actually, yeah, t- and we'll, t- we'll do one minor wound. I like those odds. So from your point of view, so I, yes. I, that's, that's the challenge that's been set. Players always start a challenge roll on 1d6 rolling so they can utilize... Uh, a couple of different things to try and negotiate for more. So the first thing to do is look at your traits to see whether you can get anything. So these are basically just words to describe your character you get. You get a new trait every time you level up because you level up by growing as a person, basically. So that's one way you can do it. Another way you can do it is looking at the context of the situation, so your character background. So if you fancy a bit of a freebie, then I would say as your background is basically a football jock, you're probably quite used to lifting heavy people. So, if I were in your situation, I would go, Okay, so I'm a football jog. I've lifted loads of heavy people before to try and tackle them. I've done a lot of weightlifting in the gym to do this exact thing. Can I get an extra D6 because of that? And I would go, Yes, of course, that sounds perfectly reasonable. But that's one way, I... that's another way of doing things. Uh, if you fancy, you can also spend a stress point to just add an extra d6, but they're quite a limited resource, so be careful with those. And then the final way to do it is through bargaining, which is basically kind of a betting system we have in place, which is basically going, if I win, then can we add this extra thing on? But if you win, then this bad thing happens. So it just goes spiraling into... But if you want to just stay on the basic route for the time being, you are more than welcome
2: just to claim that freebie and go up to 2d6. All right. So I think I will just go up to 2d6. I was thinking, so Bo's one trait for right now, since we are level one, is uh, competitive. I don't think competition would fall too close to here since he's just not trying to outlift anybody. But I would say 2d6 is probably it's probably where we should land.
1: Alternatively, I do want to suggest I mean Arby doesn't think that Bo can lift him. Would that strike a competitive nerve?
2: Oh, that a hundred percent would strike a competitive nerve. That makes
0: sense. So feel free, if you fancy, grabbing an extra D6 on that. You can go up to three. All right. I will throw I will throw three D six in there, and I will throw one. I can still win this. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's, true. True. That's the fun of it. <laughs>
2: Well, we'll see what happens. I got a, uh, a four, a three, and a two.
0: Okay, <gasps> I got a three. So, ah. four beats three. <laughs> Bo, you hunch your shoulders.
2: You psych yourself up. You actually, you, you tell the story. How does this look? Bo
3: looks at Arby and he's like,
2: no, it's all right. I can squat 515 Nothing. Come on, get on there.
3: Uh, Arby will clamber up as orderly as possible. And so Bo gets himself into position and he just... Ugh! He
2: clamors up and he's able to he's able to lift up Arby.
0: And Arby is surprisingly heavy. Like he's a very dense boy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bo kind of looks up and he's just like,
1: Oh wee! Oui, all right, you weren't kidding about that. Oh no, Bo. Arby, this is where
0: we would swap over to your point of view. You're trying to have a look around to see whether you can see masts, I'm assuming.
3: Yeah, just any sort of I'm thinking, I said mass, but I don't know that all riverboats have sails. So I, I'm assuming he would look for any sort of structures that look like transportation in the distance. And hopefully they'll be tall enough to be seen over whatever surroundings.
0: Yeah, okay. So what we'll do here is we'll just daisy chain right into the ne- another challenge. So this one is to try and locate, call it the harbor, let's say. So, uh, I'm going to in this one roll 2d6 because it's a busy place. It's a new place you don't really know, you know, what's going on. You have literally just climbed on your friend's shoulders at the first opportunity. It's <laughs> it's not even that particularly high up. You know, you're still in the marketplace. There are lots of tents and everything
3: obscuring vision, so that's why I'm rolling the 2d6. As usual, you start out 1d6. I don't really think that he has anything in particular that would help in this. I have innovative as my trait, but I Don't think I have any tools or anything that I could use to assist this at the moment. But I would say for bargaining, perhaps I could get an extra 2d6, and if I fail the roll, Arby is confused about his surroundings and accidentally misleads them in the wrong direction.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like like those odds. Come on, Arby. (laughs)
0: All right, so 2d6. Uh, actually, actually can, I, can I just quickly add on to that? So you can get an extra 2d6, and if I win, then you're confused about your surroundings and you take them off in a completely different direction. But then also, Bo's grip is going to slip, and then you just come crashing down.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and that would be for a total
0: of 3d6? Then, or A total of, total of 3d6, yeah. And in that situation, Bo will take one minor wound from getting one dense boy dropping on him.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, I will accept that, but only if I take the wound instead of Bo. Yeah, that's all right. I don't mind that. It's fine. Okay.
0: All right, so 3d6 for you, 2d6 for me. Let's
3: get some Foley in there.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. So I rolled a 6, a 5, and a 1. It's a shame.
0: I, I, I got a 5 and a 3. So... Yeah. Resolution passes. You manage to scout out your immediate surroundings. You can see there's a like quite a handy direct line through uh, certain buildings, and also you can see some people walking in lines with like crates over their shoulders, sort of like ants grabbing bits of leaves, kind of just walking in these straight lines. And you can see them kind of going down slightly downhill to the the riverside.
3: So you go,
1: oh yeah, it's uh,
3: over there. I do believe I see workers uh heading towards the harbor. We could follow their path. Indeed, lead the way. I will lead the way. Uh before we leave this area though, uh Arby is going to look around at the various bone trading going on and look to Mary and Bo and say, I believe both of you have an untapped resource if you wish to use it here. It seems <laughs> it seems that your human skeletons are used as currency. <laughs>
2: Bo just puts 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 his hand on Arby's shoulder, and he says, "I like the way you think, but you know what? I think we're still using these."
3: Well, perhaps if you change your mind, you can come back at a later time.
2: You know what?
1: (laughs) I'm like I'm trying to format a response in my head in like Mary's language, and I just I can't.
0: (laughs) I I think speechless is the response.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: And with that, I will carry forward and follow the trail. I'm just imagining the
2: expression that Bo gave is, you know, in a Family Feud when Steam Harvey hears something <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that just leaves him that like
1: flabbergasted. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's Bo's
2: face.
0: Uh, I'm I'm not sure she's ever heard the suggestion that she could use her own body parts as currency.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, Mary, it's
0: probably not unusual that people occasionally sell their teeth, but not like an no. entire hand.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, maybe their hair, but that's like for the most desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And she is not desperate. She certainly is not.
0: <laughs> so maybe it's more the offense that, how could you yeah. possibly think I'm in such dire need that I would possibly sell?
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, she just like, she turns in a huff and like walks two steps and then realizes she doesn't know where she's going. So she just kind of like waits without speaking to Arby. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. So, Arby, you lead the way, walking down this uh, slope towards the shore. As you get a bit closer towards the docks, you can see that there's quite long piers off the end. Some of them have boats on, some of them don't. However, as you're passing a doorway, from your left, a small someone kind of walks
3: into you. Oh, I, I'm i sorry. Uh, I did not mean to bump into you.
0: It's okay. It's okay.
3: And like you take a look at this person,
0: and it's what appears to you to be some sort of old woman hunched over wearing a
3: purple robe with a hood that covers her face. No,
0: no, no mm-hmm. harm done. No harm done.
3: Uh, if you'll excuse me. I am on my way for some very important business, and Arby will continue on.
0: Wait a minute.
3: Yes. And uh,
0: this person kind of takes a look at you from under the hood. I recognize you. Yes. Bone grinder. Yes. Uh, you know Nar. No.
3: You appear different, but I see your soul. I am merely in possession of a fragment of a soul.
0: Yes, but it is still you in there. I see. And then she kind of slowly takes the the hood off, and uh, before you stands seemingly an old woman. But as you watch, her back starts to straighten a bit, and the wrinkles start to flatten out. And I'm sure you've heard stories. And also there is that small part of Nars' soul embedded inside you that recognizes the form of Obsidiana La caldera.
2: Oh no. (laughs)
3: Um, Arby will I guess go very alert and draw what looks to be like a facial hair trimmer. (laughs) 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 I think is there any sort of
2: like big stick or something that that Bo can grab? Because I think the minute that he sees Arby just kind of Getting on high alert, Bo's like, "I don't know what's going on, but I'm in. I got you." Yeah, let's say there's a
0: like a, a plank or something that people have, have been using to build something. Just one of the buildings, maybe there's a there's a loose plank over a window or something. You kind of wrench it off, and you're holding it with like plank with a nail in it. <laughs> he he takes
2: a look at this figure and he's like, "Well, all right. I don't know what what's going on right now, but if my partner is." is drawn to weapons, then I don't think this is a good situation for you to be in, so I think you should just move along right now.
1: Mary uh, backs up behind the two of you. One hand is clutched to a coin purse on her belt, and the other hand is, like, clutched against her chest. And she just says, what now, a rascal?
3: Uh, Potentially.
1: She's definitely staying near the back.
3: (laughs) I have no quarrel with you, but I know you have- had conflicts with my father in the past. I have just learned that the bones of humanoids are used as resources here, and I will not hesitate to use yours to spend.
1: <laughs> Dang, dude.
3: I'ma take your bones gambling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um that will not be necessary. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can put those silly things down. As a matter of fact... Violence is not necessary. um, I'm quite glad I ran into you actually. Do you have a a moment to talk?
2: Well, just kinda he he puts the 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 plank down from an active kind of attacking position and he's just kind of eyeing this uh this woman and he's just like, "All right, I guess we'll hear you out
3: <laughs>
1: at which point Mary just is like, "Dost thou forget why we are here? We must away."
2: These are strange times we're living in. I don't know. I think everything
3: is all turned around. Arby will look at Obsidiana and say, are you working for Satan?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't say that I ever
3: have. Mm.
0: At least in the living world, he always seemed a bit uh,
3: try hard. (laughs) Tell us what you wish of us and be quick about it so we may be on our way.
0: Yes, yes, of course. Um. Would you mind awfully if we went into that tavern there? It's, uh, it's a mite cold out here.
3: Arby's going to lean over to Mary and say, Does Satan deceive people?
1: Indeed, verily, he <laughs> deceives all. No, we will not follow her in there.
2: Bo kind of looks at Obsidiana, then he looks at his friends, then he looks at the tavern, then he looks at his friends. All right, well, we've gone through a lot today. I could certainly use a drink.
3: Death did warn us, Bo, that we should not dally. Oh, lighten up, you coon! One drink ain't gonna get us souls taken.
1: <laughs> Sayest thou indeed?
3: Oh, fie! Perhaps you could get these drinks to go, and we could be on our way. Yeah, I
2: mean they do that at home. I feel like nobody's going to stop us. I'll take a drink to go.
0: We, we can head inside and figure out the details there. I I won't take much of your time, I promise.
2: I still got my eye on you, though.
0: Well, well I should hope so. It's been a while, and I, my skin might not be the quite as perfect as it used to be, but I, I do like to think that I'm still somewhat of a looker.
3: Bo, I am very conflicted about our course of action here. Mary does not wish to go inside. You do wish to go inside, and I do not know where my intentions draw me.
0: Well, if your lady friend does uh, indeed wish to remain out here, she is more than welcome.
3: I'd certainly think if one of us goes, we should all go or we should all remain outside. Perhaps we accompany Bo and remove him if we feel the situation has become dire. No, it's all good. I can hold myself. That's fine.
1: We stay together, but my eye is upon the, she says, like staring directly at the woman.
2: All right. I, I guess
3: we'll go inside following Bo.
0: Okay, so she leads you into this tavern, which I have named just because I found a very fun name in my brain. (laughs) It's called the Bone Idol.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: That's a good name.
1: That's so, like the double entendre too. Ah, oh, so good.
0: It would have been a real shame for you not to have experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have just led with a name and you'd go, yeah, I want to go into that.
4: <laughs> That's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Note for next time, lead with the name of the bar. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so she leads you into the bone idol. And inside, as you can imagine, it's all very uh, bone themed. So the bar is kind of made from bones. All the chairs and tables are made from bones. It's almost as if they've got an excess of bones <laughs> in the underworld. But it, it looks very much like like catacombs, basically. But that's just the, the decor. So she'll kind of talk to the bartender briefly, order some drinks, and then can sit down at a booth.
3: I hope... Uh... Spending time here in the land of the dead has made you appreciate the preciousness of the resources that hold you up.
0: (laughs) Are you referring
3: to my bones? It seems they are a very high commodity here.
0: Well, there are a lot of them. Once we've decided to move on to the next world, then the bones are pretty much useless and everyone is very utilitarian about them. Hence, everything's made of bones.
3: So I'm curious, what does the menu look like here? (laughs) (laughs) it's quite stark weirdly enough uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like you know people don't actually eat or drink here
2: you're saying this place doesn't have a full menu
1: well
0: if you imagine it's like one of those trendy bars where everything is instead of drinks it's more vapor
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you kind of
0: (laughs) inhale but (laughs) because if you're dead there is no benefit to actually you know taking in food or drink, it's more the sensation
2: that is the commodity rather than the actual item.
3: Mm.
2: Bo kind of looks at this and he's just like, well, you know, this was not legal back home. So uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know how long this is going to take, but uh, if I got to go back to school and I got tested, uh, this ain't going to look very good.
1: I'd like to imagine that like the smoke and stuff is all like different colors too. And oh, yeah. yeah, and Mary's just like simultaneously, like so she's not sitting in the booth for one and she's definitely suspicious of everything, but she can't help but just kind of like wave her hand like through the smoke and enjoy it. <laughs> Sounds. This is incredible, really.
0: Mary's having a very conflicting experience of this. Very
1: you? conflicting. <laughs> very conflicting. You'll find she's got quite a lot of cognitive dissonance. <laughs>
3: So, how many bones must we sacrifice in order to experience these vapors? I've sorted it with the bartender. Uh, unsure how it's going to affect him. Arby will like stick his head in the vapors and just <laughs> 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 breathe it. I don't have like a normal human biology, so I'm not sure if I'll have an effect or not.
0: Well, that sounds like the perfect time for a lock roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, lock rolls are basically there to govern stuff which doesn't rely on skill or traits or any of that jazz, it's just a hey, maybe, maybe not. It's a very clear binary option. So, how these work is, I roll 1d6, the player rolls 1d6, and whoever gets the highest roll wins. So in this case, if you win this one, actually, how how would you prefer it to go? Would you prefer to feel something out of it, or would you prefer
3: not to? I imagine, because he is a very advanced android, that He has some sort of sensory but i don't think it's like as maybe not as fine-tuned as like a biological being so i imagine he would have some experience from it but it probably wouldn't be like super impressive it'd probably be like uh you know those descriptions of seltzer waters where it's like uh, (laughs) the memory of a strawberry (laughs) It's like very (laughs) muted, but uh, he still gets an idea for it. So I think that would be the ideal outcome or what I think would be the ideal outcome.
0: Well, how about we say that kind of muted scent is what happens if I win. But if you win, then you get a much more full profile out of it. You actually kind of take it all in and it's surprisingly pleasant. It actually kind of makes you feel somewhat more content. Interesting. Yeah, sure. Right. So with luck rolls, if it's a tie, then we just roll again. And if we keep tying, then we just keep rolling until someone wins. If you've lost, you can spend the stress point to re-roll a luck roll once. In this situation, I wouldn't bother. It's not exactly super high stakes, but you always have the option. This is the highest stakes of the whole game. Well, you, you don't want to see what the first luck roll of... Last week's episode was the stakes (laughs) of (laughs) that. All right, so Roland? Roland, I rolled a two. I got a four. Nice. So you stick your head into these vapors and take a a strong sniff, expecting it just to be kind of a muted, kind of, as you said, memory of a taste. But what actually hits you is just this uh, sense of contentment. Like, something you've never actually felt before and something you didn't know you
3: could feel. I have never experienced this before. I am feeling more than I ever felt in the land of the living. That good, huh? Arby just stares off into the distance, like... (laughs)
4: Like,
3: he's just frozen for a second. I think
2: Bo takes a look at that and he's like, All right, all right, twist my arm. Okay, give me a hit of that. Um, And Bo's gonna gonna take a big ol' whiff can a robot get high
0: (laughs) is the question we're answering today folks
1: (laughs) the answer apparently
0: is yes apparently
2: do you want me to roll a luck roll as well
0: uh no i don't i don't think that's necessary considering you're a human not a robot
2: uh so i think bo takes a takes a big old big old whiff of the uh of this vapor and he's just like that is
3: really something. I don't know how they got Mimo's gumbo recipe, but tastes like the real thing. <laughs> I am new to the concept of friendship. However, I am struck by the feeling that you two are my closest friends.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Seeing these, like, really, I don't know, like, kind of extreme reactions, Mary immediately, like, pushes away hers And uh, sets her hands on the table and says to Obsidiana, you shall not tempt me. I will not give in to this temptation that you have led mine friends to. Bo kind of looks over and he's like,
2: well, if you don't want it, I'll take
1: it. (laughs) She immediately like slaps your hand as you reach for it. Says, nay, tis a trick. Uh, I, will ju- I will no just more. say, Mary,
0: um, <laughs> you push it away a bit, but there is a lingering smell just kind of wafting around you of roast venison.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's roast venison, but then it's also like there's like a there's a, there's like a meat pie smell, yeah. too, with it's like v- that flaky crust like gamey, smell. Yeah. Oh, my God.
3: Would she give in to this? It's been a while. It has. It's been a while. Mary,
4: if this is
3: witchcraft, I think I like witchcraft.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To which Mary's. (laughs) Oh my God, talk about cognitive dissonance. Okay. (laughs) Well, she definitely doesn't want it to be witchcraft. So she immediately takes it and um, like full on like drinks it, like inhales the vapors, I should say. And just that warm feeling of like, you know, meats and sauce and crust, just like going on like a cold, you know, winter's evening. Oh, it's the best. And she sets it down formally and looks at Arby and says, "'Tis better than anything I've had since I've left home. And it is good and wholesome. Therefore, it is not witchcraft.
2: Mima's gombo do that to you.
1: Indeed, tis of the Lord. All good things are of the Lord. Satan's good things are merely tricks. Forsooth, this is no trick. And after that, she turns to Obsidiana and says, If thou darest not lie, tell us then, why are we here? I've been in the land
0: of the dead for quite some time now. Uh, time moves differently down here. And put it this way, I've had quite a while to think about uh, my behavior in the land of the living. And also, I've been subject of some rather strong words uh, from people who I've sent here myself, who I've run into on occasion. And yes, I've I've decided I want to try and um, mend my ways. I want to try and repent and I think the first port of call for for you which is why i'm glad i've seen you actually is just to apologize to whatever part of Nah resides in you and you know i just want to apologize for sabotaging you and your family and Mm -hmm. making everyone's lives worse because i never understood really what i was doing i did understand even i just i suppose i didn't care I never thought anything would come of it, really, and, well, I have been proved wrong. Now I just want to find peace, and if being able to apologize to you and your ilk is the
3: way to do it, then so be it. Whatever part of Gnar resides within me, I do not feel any feeling of wrongdoing from you. I think you would be better suited making your appeasements with the living, rather than an android- Constructed by the person you wronged. I mean, that would be the ideal situation.
0: It's just only souls marked for traveling back to the land of the living are, in fact, able to go back. So I cannot possibly travel back there myself. So hopefully you might maybe take a message. Mm,
3: I believe this can be accomplished.
0: I'll tell you what. And then uh, she kind of reaches from around her neck and kind of pulls off an old silver amulet. Uh, this, I got this when I was a, I was a young girl. It was a gift from my sister. Did you know I had a sister? No, I don't suppose you would. No, I, I had a sister and we, we grew up together and she got this for me on our, our sixth birthday, I believe. Poor girl, she went down with a pox less than a year later and I I, I rather lost faith in the world we lived in at that point. And th- that's not to make any excuses for my behaviour, I just... That probably didn't help, did it? But um, if you were to take this back with you, then um, I-, I would be most appreciative. My sister's grave uh, lies on a hill not far from Nikomoi. I would be most grateful if you would place this in the grave with her. So she can have it back after all these years.
3: Uh, if I agree to this, would you do me a favor and tell me what it was you did to wrong Nar Bone Grinder?
0: Well, according to the wiki,
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, once upon a time I sabotaged some sort of power cell. I seem to remember.
3: So I imagine I would have heard this story before because that was what led to Nar meeting up with Repairbot Seven and creating Arby. So does this sound like, I'm not trying to ask you if I trust the NPC, um, but do the events sound like they line up with what I know?
0: Yeah, and um, there's a, you know, you do still have part of NAR's kind of soul consciousness, whatever you want to call it, rattling around in there. So there will be some level of memory within that that you can compare it to.
3: I am not adverse to this task. However, in order to complete it, we need to be on our way in order to get passage back to the land of the living. So I believe we should not dally here further. I will take this amulet and I will return it to the land of the living for you.
0: Yes, of course. Thank you very much. I don't suppose I'll ever see you, you three again. It's been wonderful meeting new people. And sorry, what? Awfully rude of me. Not now. It is. Uh, Arby. Arby, yes. It
3: was good to meet you too. So I will take the amulet and I will start to leave and I will say, thank you for the witchcraft vapors as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will try to like lead my friends out as quickly as possible. I think Beau, as he's getting up to leave, he goes over to Obsidiana and
2: he is just like, that's a very big thing that you're able to do. So if nothing else, take that as solace. I don't know, but you are done a good thing.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: so I,
2: I, I hope so. I, I I hope it all comes out for the best. You and me both. And uh, I think with that bow, bow heads out.
1: Mary looks like she's going to say something, but then instead she just narrows her eyes at Obsidiana and walks away and follows the other two out. She doesn't know this woman. She's very suspicious of,
0: of her. She is like yo-yoing all over the place, isn't she? <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. Mary's just like, I know what cognitive dissonance looks like.
3: <laughs> I've seen it in the mirror. <laughs> when we are out of her earshot, uh, and and probably he, w- he would wait until we actually leave the building and make sure that she's not behind us, but Arby would look at Mary and say, um, I get a peculiar feeling uh, taking this offer from this individual. What she says rings as possibly true. However... I feel there might be more behind this situation than I understand.
1: Indeed, my suspicion is the same. May I see the trinket?
3: Uh, Yes, I will hand it to her.
1: Okay. So, uh, GM, I'm not sure if this is a luck roll or something else, but Mary, as much as she hates it, is a sorcerer of sorts. Like, she has witchcraft powers. And I would like to see if she can sense any witchcraft coming from this amulet. She just wants to be sure that they're not like being tricked or anything like that. So I'm not sure if that would be a luck roll or something else.
0: Uh, No, that would just be a uh, regular challenge roll. However, I would say due to you being in a a strange place and not having much control over things yourself, I'm going to be rolling 4d6 for this. Um, So... If you win, then you can find out any extra details. Should I suddenly invent them? And if I win, then you kind of just remain a bit nonplussed about it. But you'll probably be suspicious anyway, just due to. Your I nature. would,
1: yeah, I would like to. I'd like to up the gamble. I'd like to be able to roll forty-six. And if I lose, then something like something bad happens to me maybe i take like a minor injury as a result of my powers gone awry and still not having gotten any other information but if i do win then i know for sure if this is something that we should keep with us or not
0: i think in trying to add an extra 3d6 onto that that would be a bit more risky than mm-hmm simply a minor wound. So how about, I will say maybe an extra 2d6 to bring you up to three, but if I win, instead of a minor wound, you get a major wound, which is because you're kind of focusing so much of your energy into it that it just backfires.
1: I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I just... I think it's worth it to tr- to make sure that this is not going to be a bad thing later. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try it. Right. Ready? Ready. Get some
0: of that. Wait.
1: Yeah. Fully.
0: And roll.
1: Crap. Oh, no. It's not good. Oh, no. <laughs> All
0: right. So what's your highest?
1: Uh... Three.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah. I think I know how this is going to go. My
0: highest is a five. Oh, man. So you hold the amulet in between your hands and focus as much of your energy power into it as much as possible because you're trying to find any glimpse of treachery within there. And you're so focused on it. The energy like courses in between your hands, bouncing around in there up to the point that you can feel it getting hotter and hotter and hotter, but you're so focused on it that you don't pay attention to it at all, up to the point where it just explodes in your hand and throws you back against the wall, so that both your hands are now quite badly burnt. And, yeah, as we said, you take one major wound.
3: Uh, Arby will run to Mary's side and say, "'Clearly this is the work of Satan.'" Indeed. <laughs> I think Bo's gonna do the same. He's gonna he's gonna run over to Mary
2: and just kinda pick her up and be like, Okay, um I don't know how much I was I was believing about this whole Satan thing, but uh all right, maybe he's around. I- <laughs> <laughs>
1: twas the amulet. Twas the, twas the amulet. Oh, I'm wretched and
0: I like how you're all looking at, uh, you you physically see your friend, like, conjuring this energy, and then it backfiring on her, and you all go, no, it's (laughs) it's the amulet's
3: fault. (laughs) It's the work of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly evident. Uh, Perhaps we hold on to it for safekeeping, but we wait till the last minute. If we're still not sure, we just ditch this device. Sounds good to me. All right, yeah. we need to, and
2: Bo kind of looks down at Mary uh, and is just like, all right, we need to, uh, we need to stop dilly-dallying here. We gotta, we gotta get ourselves to the harbor.
3: Uh, Arby will pick up the amulet for now. Bo leans down and offers to help Mary walk.
2: Are you okay? Do, do you need anything?
1: Uh, I am not fine. Perhaps, <laughs> uh, perhaps we, we just hurry.
0: All right you make your way down to the docks mary you still have your hands are feeling red and raw and burnt we should probably mention mechanically every major wound you have provides a penalty of 1d6 for every roll you have until that wound is healed but it can't take you below 1d6 so you make your way down to the harbor there's a long pier in front of you at the end of which is stood, the boatkeeper, he's stood right next to a boat, which more looks more like a gondola, and he just appears to be waiting for you to approach.
3: Uh, Arby will lead the way, um, and he will say, uh, Greetings, uh, boatman. We require passage back to the land of the living. My my friend is uh, injured, and we must make a speedy retreat from this place. Ah, yeah, that looked nasty. What happened there? Uh,
1: Tis of no consequence, but dost thou have a poultice?
0: I'm sure I've got something around here. But uh, um, before we head off, uh, do you have your uh, certification? Your uh, should be something on you that's glowing
3: green. Uh, I will check my person. Do I have anything that is glowing green? Your tattoo, yeah.
1: It's the tattoos, oh. yeah.
3: Yeah. I will uh, uh. <laughs> reveal my tattoo on my my forearm. Uh, yeah. All right. You up in? We'll do the same. He'll
2: he'll turn out his uh, his wrist to show the glowing tattoo. Oh, very nice. Is that a Targa as well on there? Oh, (laughs) Targas. I can see there's at least one more person down here who knows who's the best in the SEC. Ain't that right? Sure. In your...
1: (laughs) 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 And, oh man, Mary, like, pulls down her shirt by the shoulder and it's, like, literally hidden, like, underneath her arm. So it's, like... Not a very comfortable place, but she'll like show it very quickly, just enough to have the light and then put it back up. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right.
0: Tides are going out, so we should make good time, hopefully. Anyway, yeah. Let's all hop in and uh, we'll set off. And I think that's probably where we'll call it for this half of the episode. Uh, Thanks for... Hang on, I'll swap back to normal voice now. Uh, that's where we're going to call it for the first half of this episode Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, If you've enjoyed what you've listened to so far and if you've reached this point then probably you have. Whilst we're here you've got a couple of minutes while we go off and do something and you can just actually you know what you can do. If you fancy you can go and leave us a nice rating and review on whatever podcast platform you happen to be listening on at the moment. We would very much appreciate it and if it's particularly nice then we'll read it out on an upcoming episode. So for now though uh, we'll be off for a short break, and we'll be back for the second half imminently. So for now, though, we will must say
3: a bon voyage to Mary, Ouch, Bo, Go Tigers, and Arby. Arby is just weighing this amulet in his hand, trying to figure out: Do I throw this overboard, or what am I gonna do?
0: <laughs> As of yet, you've you've sensed no foul play. The only Backfiring was (laughs) Mary's fault.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was definitely the amulet.
0: We'll continue the conversation (laughs) later on. We'll see you in a moment.
4: Bye. Bye. We'll see you later now. Today's mid-episode shout-out is, quote, a special thanks to our local San Jose dining room volunteer, Leela. Your selflessness in making our community a better place is admirable and deeply appreciated, end quote. Arrange for us to read your shout out at firebreathingkittenspodcast.com. Do you know someone who might enjoy this podcast? Tell them about it. They won't hear about it any other way. And did you know we have books based on our adventures on Amazon and Audible?
0: Welcome back to this episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Did you have a nice break? Did you leave us a nice rating and review? I hope so. I did. I didn't really. I I, I was getting (laughs) some food. (laughs) Where were we? Yes, we are still joined by Mary, Bo and Arby. They've not run off just this moment, but they are trying to make their way to the land of the living because they have been trapped in the land of the dead by freak accident. A very embarrassing one at that. So basically what's happened so far is they've uh, met death or a representative of death. Uh, they've met an old enemy, and Arby's been on Bo's back. That's the important <laughs> thing. They've just met up with a boatman who will try to take them down to the gate to the land of the living. And that is where we join them. They've left the harbour area, they're leaving the trappings of civilization behind, or what can pass of civilization, where basically everything's bone themed. So, you three are sat in this gondola type thing. The boatman's stood at the back, paddling away.
1: Uh, was there any, like, was the boatman able to find anything for Mary's hands, her burnt hands?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, it's probably some gauze somewhere or bandages. I don't see why not.
1: Okay. So, each major injury is made up of three minor injuries. Is there a way to heal like one minor injury so that I don't have a major one anymore? Or do I have to heal the entire major injury? The
0: entire major injury needs to be healed. The bandages, that's more just for like yeah. story effects, just to kind of gotcha. cover them. Is that how yeah. you would treat them normally.
1: Yeah, so she's got some gauze and bandages wrapped over both of her hands and she's just sitting quietly upset.
0: <laughs> but I, I don't mind telling you that Should you make it back to the land of the living, it was only your ghost hands that get burnt, (laughs) not the ones in the the living world.
1: Okay, that's a little better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That one simply died, didn't get burned.
3: Arby would walk over and sit by Mary and say, "Um, I appreciate you injuring yourself and attempting to help me find guidance on this amulet.
1: I am only sorry that I... Could not actually help.
3: Your sacrifice is much appreciated, as you did not have to do that for me.
1: Well, that is indeed a happy thought.
3: How in the past have you found whether someone was trustworthy or not?
1: Well, usually if they are Protestant, they are trustworthy. True people of God. Catholic, not so much. They believe they are of God, I must say. Not as enlightened, perhaps.
2: I think at this Bo takes a look and just kind of, like, narrows his eyes. <laughs> it's just like, well, back home, those are fighting words, but I feel like we got, we got more important business to settle. they fighting words for Mary, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I cry your mercy, Bo. I did not know thou wast uh, Catholic. They are fine people, just not as fine as Protestant
3: is all.
2: So long as you're not an Alabama fan, I think we can get along.
3: Bo, so how did you find yourself afflicted with this Catholic status? <laughs> well, you know, i be
2: <laughs> Steve Harvey face once again. <laughs> That's a long story. I don't know how long this boat's going to be, but uh, depending on how long, maybe I'll give you the rundown of my family history.
3: I do not have much knowledge of where any of us are from, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> my, the only knowledge I have pertaining to different factions of these sorts is ancient Oros, where uh, people determine their religious beliefs based on the color of their clothing. Is this similar to the conflict between the Protestants and Catholics? You know,
2: I think you're on the wrong train, but you're on the right track there, my friend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, though, I know not what a train is. But perhaps we say the same thing when I say 'tis not fully correct, but could be. Yeah,
2: there's the idea.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that we two at least could come to an agreement.
3: So GM, what does this surrounding river that we are traveling upon look like? Is it a natural similar to a river in the world of the living?
0: Um it's similar but
3: different, as you would expect.
0: Uh so You're kind of out of the kind of civilization part. You're more into the the wilds of the underworld. It's still quite dark, so it, it almost feels like you're in a cavern, but, you know, you can see sky above you. You can see stars, but they look completely different to how you've seen them before. The water is very dark and a bit more viscous than regular water. Beneath the surface, you can see as the boat cuts through the water, Uh, you see little green lights start to pop up and swim alongside the boat. Whereas like on the banks, you see large kind of rock formations kind of twisting up into spires in a very dramatic fashion.
1: Do the green lights look like the uh, light coming from our tattoos? Like, are they the same color? Uh, A
0: similar sort of color, yeah.
1: I think Mary's going to just like reach her hand down into the water and see if like what it looks like, if she can grab anything or if it's just kind of more like, ooh, sparkly water.
0: Well, funny you should do that.
1: Oh, no, I've done it again.
0: (laughs) Mary and her hands. I know. Mary, you uh, dip your hands into the the water towards one of these green lights as it gets closer towards the surface. And I'm not going to do you any injuries for this, but there is a definite biting sensation you feel on your hand and you pull it back instinctively out of the water and holding onto it is this skeletal green glowing fish
1: Ooh. It's going.
0: Like, yeah
1: and she just like shakes her hand rapidly get it off get it off
0: okay uh well actually what we can do is just do a quick challenge to Flap the fish off your hand.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I'm I'm just going to roll
0: 1d6 for this.
1: Okay. I only have 1d6 because I have the major injury. Well, okay. So like is the minimum to roll a 1d6 or does my major injury take that away so I can't roll anything?
0: You can't go below 1d6. But if you want to get any more than that, you either need to bargain for extra to take account of that penalty or you try and take advantage a bit more of your uh, traits and stress points.
1: Mm, okay. so my trait is unimaginative. If I literally just like slam my hand down onto the like deck of the boat, can that add me another D6? like trying to break the skeletal fish apart?
0: You could get an extra one.
1: Okay, solid.
0: But if yeah. you if I you think- were just doing that one, then it would kind of ca- get canceled out by the wound.
1: That's true. So, dang.
0: How about I I can offer you a bargain. I will give you an extra D6 on that to kind of, so you end up being able to roll two D6. But Mm -hmm. if I win, then you get an extra minor injury. (laughs) And the the, the fish stays on your hand and we'll start combat. Well, we're going to start combat anyway. (laughs) But if you win, then you shake the fish off.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, so... I, mm,
0: you don't have to take the bargain. You can just roll that 1d6 yeah. and see whether you can just shake it off by yourself. But either way, combat's about to start.
1: Okay, so you say combat, and I am wondering if... So all of this chatter has made me think. Instinctually, she would hit it on the deck of the boat, but she also has uncontrolled magical powers, and she's hurt. So... As a combat weapon, she has a chaos ball, and that is an attack of 2d6 paired with my unimaginative trait of just doing the first thing that comes to mind would be 3d6 minus the 1d6 for the major injury. So instead of bargaining, could I use that and have 2d6? Yeah,
0: I I do like seeing fish explode.
1: Okay. (laughs) Let's roll.
0: I rolled a four.
1: I also rolled a four, Okay. and since you only rolled one and I rolled two, that means I win, right? Uh, It means it's a stalemate. Oh, okay.
0: Which means that when a stalemate happens, which is quite handy because it's another mechanic we can introduce. Stalemates are quite rare. They only tend to happen when one person is rolling 1d6 because it's when the dice are tied to the point where there are no more dice left. So it's much more likely when someone is only rolling the one. Basically, what happens then is that the situation resolves as neutrally or naturally as possible. So in this case, I would probably say that because the fish is literally biting onto your hand and that's where the magic comes from, I would say the attack connects.
1: Okay. Because
0: why would it not?
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense to me.
0: So, in doing damage, unless stated otherwise, you always do one minor wound. You can bargain to increase your damage or reduce damage incoming to you. But in this case, we're just doing one minor wound to the fish, and it just explodes around your hand.
1: <laughs> There's like literal like smoke coming out of Mary's hand where the fish was. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, the bandages are all, like, blown apart on her one hand. And she just turns to Harvey and Bo and says... Who are
0: now covered in fish bits.
1: Yeah. But bony fish bits, you know? So, resources. (laughs) 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 But she's just like, thou must not touch the water.
2: Also, remind me never to get on your bad side
3: ever, please.
1: I have no bad side.
3: (laughs) Mary, I believe you should refrain from touching things from now on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Although, with that uh, fish exploded, the lights in the river, the ones that have been following the boat, they all just stop moving. And they move together to make one large light in the river. And that light starts rising out of the water and what you see is this giant glowing skeletal anglerfish made of hundreds and hundreds of those same fishes which have all just formed this one large beastie and this is where we're gonna start combat
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry you guys (laughs) that's
3: okay i have a feeling we would have ended up in a combat regardless (laughs) at some point
0: Well, it's much more fun when the characters do it themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so each character has three different weapons just for, you know, flavor. They can switch in and out of them as they choose out of combat. In combat, you can switch your weapon, but you cannot attack on the same turn. So each weapon has three stats, attack, defense, and speed. Attack you roll when you're attacking it's fairly self-explanatory so that's 1d6 2d6 whatever you kind of upgrade as you go if you're in a campaign or in this situation that was all done in character creation defense is what you roll when you're being attacked and in those situations you know the attacker rolls their attack dice the defender rolls their defense dice and that resolves itself in the exact same way as regular challenges and of course you can always bargain for extra effects or extra dice or you know how that all works. Uh, speed is slightly different, that determines the order we go in combat. Now, in last week's game, we had it so it just has that uh, one single stat and you know the higher the stat is, the quicker you move. However, we're going to try and do it slightly differently this time around to see how that goes. So you will all have a speed stat on the weapon you're bringing into combat. At this level it's probably going to be a 1 or a 2 at most. So instead of just using that, you're going to roll 1d6 and then add that number to it. Okay? So we'll do that now and I will also roll for the big beastie. Oh, big beastie rolled a 6. So that's going to be awkward for you. Ah, lovely. Oh man. <laughs> all right, so do we have our numbers?
1: Mary is 3.
2: Bo is also a 3. <laughs>
3: Oh no. I, I rolled
2: a 2. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs>
4: uh, hey, at least I great. got
2: my one roll out of here. Statistically.
0: Uh, <laughs> did, did did you all add your the the number from your speed on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. yeah. Mine was a 1 plus 1. Okay.
1: Oh god. Mary just starts praying. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You know what?
2: Honestly, after all Bo has seen, I think he also starts praying.
1: <laughs> I think Mary's regretting her, uh, her changing of the contract to no acts of God.
0: Okay, so, so the order of combat goes Beast, Mary, Bo, and Arby. Well, Mary and Bo, you technically have the same initiative, so you can decide each turn who goes first between the two of you. Okay, so the beastie's gonna go. Uh, I will, just to be open, it will take six minor wounds to dispatch, and its attacks will do two minor wounds.
1: Oh, man.
0: But it it will only attack once per turn, and I will try to alternate. (laughs) Otherwise, that's just me.
1: (laughs) I'd really hate for Mary to, like, die in her first episode.
0: (laughs) Well, she's in the right place for it.
1: That's fair. Very short trip if she does end up passing on.
0: All right. So the big angler fish beastie will send out a spray of these fish towards Bo, I think. Sends it towards the big burly looking dude looking quite angry. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so my attack is 2d6. All right,
2: my defense is 1d6. All
0: right. So ready to roll? Yep. Alright. Ooh. is one coming at you. What'd you get? A five and a five. Ah! Uh, <laughs>
2: I got another one. Oh my goodness.
3: Oh, oh cool. no! Her rolls have been poor, you guys. I know. It will be awkward if you die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get some sage in here real quick.
3: Mm.
0: Okay, so uh, h- how this looks is this stream of fish. Almost like a uh, a hose just sprays towards bow and it just engulfs your head. And all the little fish are going num, 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 as you go past. It's almost like a load of piranhas going straight past. Once they pass, you can fe- you can feel there are like all sorts of scratches and furrows into your face, and you've got a nice shiny new haircut, <laughs> but not necessarily <laughs> of the style that you would pick. <laughs> but yes, please mark down two minor wounds. It is now either Mary or Bo's turn.
2: I feel like Mary would probably go first. Bo is dealing. A bit with dazed, some... Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hair- <laughs> hair-related trauma. Mary's gonna turn to the boatman, actually, and just like shout out, can't thou help us, boatman? Uh,
0: I'm afraid your uh your ticket says no acts of God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this freaking sucks. <laughs> okay. Um man yeah with a shout of frustration i think (laughs) mary just like i mean there's nothing to do but go so like this is the first time she will purposefully unleash her chaos ball and you guys got to look at it like a good look at it for the first time it's literally just like this warbling orb of different colors with like different flares of energy coming off of it so it's got like icicles and then sparks and then like little bits of fire coming out. There's just a lot in there. And she holds it like a like a ball and then just like tosses it at the thing. Um so her attack does two D6, but with her major injury that goes down to one D6. And I don't really think there's anything else I could do. I don't want to use a stress point Yet this may be
0: a good time to bring you back to that you can always try and utilize context. So it's an exercise in blagging. So if I were you, I would probably go, okay. Well, it's a frankly enormous creature. It is quite close to the boat. It's oh, quite difficult to okay. miss.
1: I see what you're going at now. With so the context within part. the fiction,
0: how would your attack be? More successful.
1: Yeah, exactly. As you said, it's going straight to it, and it's got a lot of little pieces. So anything to break it apart.
0: So, but we'll, yeah, we'll stick an extra d6 onto that, so you're up to two d6 now. If you're happy with that, uh, my the defense on the beast is only one d6.
1: Uh, I am happy with that. Appreciate the uh, context clarification.
0: It, it's all right. It's all all part of it. I rolled a two.
1: Two fives. Yes. Nice. Finally, a good roll.
0: (laughs) Sweet. So So,
1: that would be two minor injuries?
0: Just the one minor injury. Just the one. So you've knocked off one of its six things. So one down, five to go. Very nice. So you gather up this ball of energy and, for want of a better word, lob it. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Into this and it slams right into the side of this skeletal anglerfish. And you actually see it come out the other side, and there's a hole where it's just passed through. But it doesn't seem to slow it down, though, at the time uh-huh. being. But it is now Bo's turn. All right,
2: so Bo kept this uh, this plank with a nail in it, uh, and he's been carrying it around. <laughs> um, and he just kind of looks, and he's just like, All right, you want to play ball? I'll show you how to play some ball. As if it was a baseball bat, he just... Takes it and he just swings right for the fences. So this is a a great club, or the equivalent of, which has a uh three d6 attack value. Sweet.
1: Ooh.
0: Alright, yeah. If you're ready if you're ready to roll, I'm not gonna offer any extra bargains or anything. I'm I'm happy just to roll for defense.
2: Yeah, let's do
0: it. Let's do it. Okay. I rolled a three. I got two fives. Two fives again. Get- well, yes, wow. Yes. Here we go. Uh, what does this look like when you make contact?
2: So I'd imagine that Bo is going for the hole that Mary made um, and just trying to make it larger, maybe make it, you know, kind of off balance. And so I would imagine that he hits this thing and just a whole bunch of these like little fish just kind of, you know, get flung fly off, back off yeah. into the river. After he swings through, um, he kind of flips the board in his hand and he's just like, Well, nobody told me I could play baseball, but uh, a home run is a home run. Nice. Okay, so that's two
3: down, four hits to go. Arby, you're up. So my trait is innovative, and my primary weapon is this homemade phaser that looks a little bit like a cordless facial hair trimmer. Yeah. My idea is that I will make some quick adjustments. Usually this targets an individual, and I'm hoping to quickly adjust my settings... To turn it into, like, a cone or a blast in an attempt to break this fish monstrosity apart a bit. And I was hoping I could use that to get 2d6 on my attack. Was that an extra 2d6 or 2d6 in total? 2d6 in total. Yeah, I'm alright with that.
0: And roll it. I got a 6 and a 2. Oh, I got a 5, so that extra one really helped you there.
3: So what does this look like? I think, you know, he pulls a little Allen key out and, like fine-tunes it real quick, kind of like a sonic screwdriver or something, and then and then he uh pulls it out and just blasts and the thing it doesn't tear a hole through it, but it like kind of makes it lose its form a little bit and fish start falling off because it's yeah it's like disrupting the larger form of the entity.
0: Yeah, well we can we can say that maybe there's like a component of ultraviolet light as part of that ray which the fish are really not used to down there, so they just kind of freeze up and dry out and start falling off. Nice. It's pretty sweet. Alright, we're halfway there. All right, and it is Beastie's turn again. So, as you can imagine, it's not best thrilled that it's been met with resistance, but it's gonna take a bite, I think, out of Arby. Well, it's
3: gonna try. <laughs> so, I'm gonna roll for attacking. So, for defense on the phaser, I imagine it as being like a energy shield that surrounds me when I'm wielding the phaser. But it's just 1d6. 6
0: Flavor it however you want. It can be like dodging or ducking or whatever the fiction dictates, but yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. let get some of that in. That's not a good phase. <laughs> no. Well, I rolled, a, I rolled a 4 and a 1, but... I got a 1. So. I <laughs>
3: think you need to change dice. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Two minor wins, right?
0: Yeah, so, so the giant angler fish... Kind of rears up out of the water and takes its whole mouth directly over Arby and just chomps right down and I think I think it'd be quite fun if you're now just in its mouth <laughs> like mechanically we don't have like restrained or anything like that right, but right. just you're kind of within it for the time being so yeah knock off um, two minor wounds for yourself and then we'll move on to either mary or bo depending
2: on who fancies going first bo kind of looks over at mary and he's just like i think i got a plan send one of those uh what you call them chaos balls send one of those over here i'm uh, i'm gonna see if i can whack it is there any way we could do like a like a tag team attack
0: yeah i don't see why not so if we quantify this as a group role just with you two then there we do have an extra mechanic to bring into this i wasn't expecting to bring it into combat but why not so uh, how group roles work is when two or more members of your group are working to achieve the same goal like and actually both putting in effort so in, in this case would definitely qualify the whole group rolls as one so as a team you start off with one d6 but then you can add your individual traits and any context on bargaining to add dice to the pool uh you can as i said you can bargain but you've got to be careful with group ones because any negative effects you bargain for will apply to the whole group so if you say like can we get an extra d6 on this but we'll take a a minor wound out of it if we lose that happens to everyone which is technically collective punishment but it's a it's a board game it's fine so we'll start off with the the 1d6 um i'm more than happy combining your attack powers. so the damage would stand at two minor wounds
1: i think that sounds great
2: yeah i would say we could throw we could throw one in there probably this fish is pretty busy trying to eat Arby, so it's probably not paying a ton of attention to us Mm. I can say that's true.
1: And especially since it's so close to us on the ship, like it would be really hard for Bo to miss, I think.
3: I mean, you'd hope so. <laughs> I, I know I'm not in this group role, but can I suggest something?
0: Yeah, I'm feeling free to suggest stuff.
3: What if they get an extra d6 if it lands, but the downside is that I take a minor wound because <laughs> I'm inside the creature?
1: <laughs> mm. Ooh. Are you okay with taking on that
3: risk? I mean, it makes sense narratively to me. That's true. Yeah. Oh. So. So
0: you're saying that if they win, then you get injured.
3: Uh Yeah. I mean, it, like I'm in the mouth. If you hit it hard enough, I'm gonna. I'm gonna counteroffer. I'm gonna say, what if? Okay. I'm gonna
2: say, if we win, what if because we're so close and we're coordinating this attack? What if the fish takes two injuries, but Arby also takes an injury?
0: Well, how about uh, counter your counter? (laughs) What if we say that at the moment you're, in terms of dice rolling, you're still up to 2d6 as far as I'm aware. I'm going to discount Mary's Burnt Hands for this. So we're up to 2d6. In terms of damage, if you want to try and take it out in one fell swoop, then i will allow you to up your damage to 3 minor wounds which would take it out but should that attack hit then it will go through and hit arby for 1 major wound Ooh. actually um you you've already taken 2 minor wounds is that correct yeah so that would be equivalent of like yeah 3 minor wounds for yourself
3: okay yeah i could do that cuz i'd still be only be at negative 1 until i get another wound after that right?
0: Yeah. Okay. However, at the moment, if I win, I'm still only just rolling the 1d6. If I win, then I think Mary shoots off the chaos ball, and Bo tries to hit it, but the ball just blasts the board.
1: Oh, and half. so we don't get anything.
2: I'd take that. I can work with that.
1: If you're comfortable with that, I'll follow your lead. Player is extremely risk-averse. I, <laughs> I like this plan,
3: because if it goes off, it'll be an awesome ending to this combat. Yeah.
1: I yeah okay.
3: All right, who Don't wants to who wants now. to roll this?
1: I think we should each roll one one d six.
3: All right, okay. Roll <laughs> some please. I got a six. Did
0: I get?
1: I got a six.
0: It would be really awkward if I got a six as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 but I got I a not- two. Oh.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. So beaten and switch. So Mary charges up the mother of all chaos balls launches it towards Bo, who swings the bat at it. I'm going to say the bat breaks anyway, but the ball just redirects and smashes directly into the head of this giant anglerfish, and it goes straight through and also takes out a chunk of Arby on its (laughs) way. (laughs) But like bowling a really good strike, the bits of the anglerfish just fly absolutely everywhere, and it starts
3: raining Bits of fish as we go.
1: Arby, how dost thou fare?
3: <laughs> uh, Arby spits up what looks like tapioca pudding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you've ever seen the movie Alien, you might know what I'm talking yeah.
4: about. <laughs> and he's
3: just like, uh, I'll, I'll survive.
1: Oh, wee!
2: Yeah. That was, that was something.
1: <laughs> Bo, thou,
3: thou art excellent at football.
2: Well, that wasn't quite football, but you know what? I'll take it.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, I would love to learn of this game, Ball, where you strike fish with wooden implements. It seems like a fun pastime. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I would say it's usually a little less dangerous, but uh, the
2: gators down in the swamps there, uh, they're, they're pretty mean. So, eh, translates enough.
4: <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: just bones raining down on us. Not gonna lie, Mary's gonna pocket a few of them just in case they're actually <laughs> worth something.
0: <laughs> uh, the boatman looks the three of you up and down. And goes, yeah, well thought, folks. That was uh, quite entertaining, but you know we should probably uh, we should probably get him move on. I'll take anything over fighting another one of those guys. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean it's a bit of an aside to be honest. I'm not supposed to mention it, but uh, you know the whole deal with uh, getting back to the land of the living. If you don't, then uh, you know you move on to the. The Great Beyond, well, that's if you just run out of time, you see, uh, you know, some people take this route and um, go into the water and, um, you know, those green lights. I do now. Yeah, that's that's them. That's that green glowy bit. You die on the river, you turn into one of them fishes.
1: What a tragedy. How many people have come here mistakenly or before their time?
0: I mean, bear in mind, these are just the ones who uh, who try and get back. But it's all right because you managed it, so congrats. Hey, that
1: ain't right. <laughs> no, it all feels a foul.
3: If we have a moment, um, Arby would approach Bo since he already asked Mary, he's gonna grab the amulet and and uh, first he's gonna look at it a little bit. Do I have, see any other details on this amulet? Is there anything I'm missing on the appearance of it?
0: Let's say it's got an artsy depiction of let's call let's say a dragon sleeping.
3: And I would approach Bo with it, and I would say, um, Bo, I feel kind of rudderless, perhaps, at the moment. This amulet I'm supposed to return to the land of the living, I'm not sure whether I should return it or whether I should cast it aside. What? How do you decide, when making a dis- difficult decision, what the best course of action is? Well, you know... A lot of my
2: decisions, they kind of come in a moment. I don't have a ton of time to think about them. So I feel like that's just kind of how I live my life. I just don't really think about them. So, you know, I, I go off vibes. Let me take this for a second here. And Bo kind of looks it up and down. He notes the uh the dragon iconography. And he's just like, well, I ain't never. No, I have. Hmm. That's not even a power five. Eh. Probably, if if it's any kind of kind of magic or something, it's not even a power five school. That's not even gonna do nothing. I would say, don't even worry about it.
3: Mm, sage advice. Look
2: now, last time we played these guys, you know, uh, we got—I mean, we got dragons in our world too. Uh, so we played them, we beat them, we beat them. Oh god, golly, it was like seventy-seven to three. Look, when you got when you got Bodu set around on that field, you ain't got nothing to worry about. These tigers you speak of must be very
3: powerful. Oh, sure we are. We won the national championship. Um, Arby will take the amulet and return it back to his pocket.
1: Uh, at the sound of championship, Mary will turn to Bo and say, Thou art a champion?
2: Champion of the whole nation, 2019. We went in there and we shocked the world. Well, we didn't shock the world. Everybody knew we was going to win, but we still went in there and we kicked some ass.
1: Incredible.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I did injure the quarterback on uh, one of the play. He was out for six weeks with uh, with a high ankle sprain, so kinda.
1: If thou art a champion, art thou also a knight?
2: No, 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 no. The knights are down in Florida. We're the Tigers.
1: So you are not a sir. You are not Sir Bo. Then what is thine formal address?
2: What, you mean my, my full name? No, my full name, I guess, is Bo Annan, but... Nobody calls me dad to send my parents. Sometimes Coach O if he's really mad.
1: Then perhaps if not a sir for a night, then um, mayhaps I'll think on a proper formal address, since thou art a champion after all.
3: I mean, I ain't going to say no to that. Um, Mary, I don't believe I have learned anything of, of your station. Uh, in your home, what position do you hold of importance?
1: Oh, well... I am my father's eldest daughter. And while, in truth, I would like to be part of his mercantile business, it is uh, my duty as the daughter to be married. And so I am, in fact, uh, betrothed to a uh, fellow merchant.
3: You seem much more capable of many things other than marriage.
1: Oh, well, surely thou must not... Understand the importance of such a thing. Marriage is my highest honor. I mean,
2: marriage is nice, but it ain't the highest honor. No, the highest honor. SCC champions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, were I born a man, then, perhaps thus I would also be a champion.
2: Ah, uh, no, anybody can be a champion. We got. I mean, we did that whole title nine thing decades ago. I, I mean, our women's basketball team is one of the best in the in the country.
1: A team of of women doing physical activity, me thinks that it's a little uh, funny. It would never be. It would never be.
0: <laughs> as much as I love uh, listening to you lot, uh jabber on about balls, I guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're now actually coming up to the. So the gates, uh, just if you look ahead of you, you see those that giant glowing archway in the river? Oh, sure, now that you're pointing it out there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Coming right up to it. So basically how this works is I'll just steer the boat right on through, and then you will be taken off to uh, the land of the living, and uh, you will corporealize, wake up, whatever you want to call it, in the exact spot that you died. So uh, we've got a few minutes. Yeah, I could probably give you the whole spiel. So, uh, first of all, good luck. Thanks for choosing me. I realise you have a a choice of underworld uh, boating (laughs) providers and I'm honoured that you happen to stumble on my pier. There is one more thing before uh, you pass through the gate, though it's quite quite an important one. So the thing to bear in mind is that when you travelled from the land of the living to the land of the dead, the one thing that did travel was your souls, right? That means your bodies were left in the land of the living. So if for whatever reason your bodies have moved from the spot in which they died, you will appear in a different location to the body. So you will turn up at the exact point in which your soul left your body. But if your body has uh, scarpered for whatever reason, you might want to go find it. Because if your body is destroyed for whatever reason, then you will be uh, left as a, a wandering spirit in the land of the living. And let me tell you, that ain't fun. I don't like the sound of that.
1: Indeed. What is the time? How how long have we been here?
0: I don't think it's probably too long since since you've been gone. You know, you've, you've made pretty good time, to be honest. You know, I've had some people down here, who really, they take their time, and like, bits of them go all kind of translucency. They take that long. Just getting where they're going, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But you know, you may need to go find your bodies before it's too late if you get them adrift.
1: <laughs> drift.
0: Yeah, well, I was gonna say, speaking of drift, we appear to be drifting under the archway.
2: I guess it's oh. time then.
1: Let's do this.
0: So the the boat travels underneath the archway, and you see there's a light coming from inside the arch. It's absolutely enormous. So you can see the surroundings on either side of the archway in the river. They just keep flowing on past it. But just this archway is just light emanating. And as you the boat starts to go into this light, you kind of can't see where the boat is anymore. It starts to kind of dematerialize and you find yourselves just in this white void for just a few moments before that too disappears. And you find yourselves
1: in a sense,
0: waking up back in the land of the living.
1: Are we in our bodies?
0: That's a good question.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, no. Okay. So there is such a, like, there's a luck roll in this, right? Can I roll a luck roll to see if our bodies have not moved? Or would that be too much?
0: Well, personally, I know that they have. <laughs> What we can do is provide a luck roll for a handy clue that appears just at the moment you need it.
1: Perfect. I will use my luck roll for that.
0: And roll. I got a four. Well, that's handy. I got a three.
1: Oh, my God. So. Oh, man. (laughs)
0: there's some There's some real tension built into these roles isn't
1: there? <laughs> there are it's like I'm so surprised by how tense it is just to like find a clue to our bodies so we don't go back to the land of the dead
0: well, I mean if you didn't find your bodies you'd be stuck in the land of the living as spirits
1: oh even worse <laughs>
0: so you wake up in well you rematerialize in the offices of uh, Dr. Crod the third, who you Now you come back to the land of the living, you remember having to go see because you were coughing and sneezing and turning pale and feeling really quite awful. And what happened there was, well, you died there. That's exactly what happened. But at that moment, because we got a fortunate luck roll, at that exact moment, Dr. Crud himself wanders into the room going, it's time to chop up bodies, it's time to chop up bodies,
4: it's oh, time to no.
0: chop up bodies and get myself some cash. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Oh, that Koolyon better not.
1: I know. Oh my goodness.
0: And then an assistant runs in and goes,
1: Oh, Dr. Crud the Third, Dr. Crud the
0: Third. That woman is here. Miss uh, Miss what was her name? Uh, Miss Buckler, Ramona Buckler. She she's here to pick up that scrap. Uh, that we had lying around. That's great. Uh, send her into the uh, the waiting room on uh, wing wing D. Yeah, I'm chopping up them uh, uh, those other two um, wing C. So they should be right next to each other. But uh, I mean, she was more than welcome to to take a <laughs> take a watch. We're going to be cutting oh, off the. Man. The legs first.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Mary just turns to the other two and says in a panic, we must weigh quickly, wing C and D.
3: Arby just as quickly as he can gets to his body. These legs are worth too much money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, trying to find your own
0: bodies before it's much too late. Got the two meets in wing C, the scrap pile in wing D.
1: I think do you guys think we should split up?
2: I think we go two and one and then we try and meet up once we're once we're back in. I think I think the biggest thing is getting back into our bodies.
1: Yeah. Especially if if Arby is in scrap right now, we should probably be really fast about finding our bodies so we can go and save Arby's from whoever this Ramona buckler is.
3: I feel like I would be the least familiar with the layout of this building, maybe because I am an android and they don't visit hospitals very much. So I think uh, as, as much of a hurry as I am in because of uh, Ramona trying to scrap my body parts, I would just follow you guys and hope that you know the direction better than I would. From there, C to D seems like a logical jump once you find your location.
1: That's fair. So, what kind of do we have to do a roll to see how quickly we can find our bodies? I think it's
0: a bit more fun if we we start making our way up, and then if there comes a point where mm. it becomes really important to get past, then we'll do a roll.
1: Mm, perfect. Yeah. So I guess all three of us are just booking it to wing C.
0: Yep. So, out of that door, let's say you, because being spirits now, you can kind of just glide through most of them so you see as you go like people walking it seems dr crud has now opened a slightly larger clinic it's more of a hospital now but of course hospital is in quotation marks (laughs) (laughs) but he is himself making his way over to the chop shop as he likes to call it
3: i'm concerned with the fire breathing kittens having hired this doctor before (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do they do they trust this individual with their biological body parts?
0: Well,
1: he he's he's, he's
3: all right like
2: I don't know if I could trust him so far as I can throw him. I'm mean, gonna
1: have to read up on him if and when we get bodies back. I mean it's
0: not going to be my first choice, but you know if you've lost a limb, you will get another limb back. It just might not
2: match. <laughs> <laughs> So just go in the leg lost and found. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's, there's a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna ruin my. That's gonna ruin my deadlifts.
1: So actually, okay, I have a question, and I'm not sure if this is just clarifying. So Doctor Crow the Third is going to be chopping up bodies, but he's also going to like he said, ours are in Wing C, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: I think they're in different wings. That's the important thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So as he's going off to the chop shop, I guess, like, is there a map of the facility? Yes.
0: If you imagine it, it's similar to a hospital map. The two wings are pretty much connected. Um, The way the conversation went that you kind of overheard, it was heavily implied that he would go and chop the bodies up first and then go and make the sale to Ramona.
1: Gotcha. I guess my question is, does he already have the bodies in the chop shop? Or are they still on the wing? And I don't know if that's something we would know or not.
0: For a bit of um, extra visual context, Doctor Crud the Third is like a bipedal elephant, oh. so he's he's a large chap. Um, so at the moment he's wearing his gown and his face mask, which is really long because he's got a trunk. So he's kind of wandering with his his front hooves ready to, to go go on and chop them bodies. Uh, Going to chop
1: them bodies. <laughs> I.
2: He's on his way.
1: Oh man, okay. I think we should we should probably follow him, right?
2: I would imagine that's probably where we're gonna go, where we're gonna find our yeah. bodies. So it's imperative you get there first, because
0: as most people who know Dr. Crowd will know, when he gets a bone sore in his hand, he does not hesitate.
1: Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough,
0: I think he started off as a pacifist.
1: What? Yeah. <laughs> Man, the medical field changes you.
0: Well, I mean, you know, if if they're dead, then does it count? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> does, does a good doctor happen to wear shoes? Good question. I'm not sure what makes you ask. Is there any way I can
3: attempt to, like, trip him up?
0: That sounds like an excellent thing we can roll a dice for.
3: <laughs> I don't have physical hands, so I'm not entirely sure how that would work, but I'm willing to roll for it. How would a ghost do it? I'm guessing push an object under his feet, maybe. Like uh, poltergeist style. Sounds good to me.
1: You could also give him massive bumps of
3: goose. (laughs) He's a doctor, though. The ailment might not slow him down so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then poltergeist is probably the better option.
0: (laughs) All right. So uh, because this challenge is technically you against... I don't know. What What are you trying to push over?
3: Let's say there's like an IV stand in one of the hallways that he's traveling down with no bag on it. And I'm just going to wait till he's like right by it and tip it in front of him so that it tangles around his legs. All right.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm going to roll. I was going to say if it was like something larger, then it would be more difficult. But I think an IV stand would be about 1d6. I'll roll for that. I can make you a, a quick little bargain if you fancy. Uh, I can just gift you an extra 1d6, so you'll roll 2. But if I win, it actually turns out that the IV stand was made of iron, which, as we know from ghost lore, is very bad for ghosts, which would provide you an extra minor wound.
3: So would that bring me up to 2 major? or it would. Okay, so it doesn't reset till I get back into my body? No. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I think I'll take these I think odds. But I'm at minus one already, right? Because I have a major wound already. That's true. That's true, yeah.
0: So is there anything on your traits, your innovative? I'd say thinking of the idea to poltergeist your way to slowing him down, that's pretty innovative. I'd give you an extra d6 on that.
1: Could we all do that? Actually, now that I'm thinking about, it, could we all yeah, like you wanna... do an individual poltergeist thing and have it be a group roll?
0: Yeah, turn it into a group roll. The haunting
3: of Doctor Crud the <laughs> Third. I'm down for <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so my total would be two d six. Are we now? Are we resetting to do the group roll, or would I still be at two d six?
0: You're welcome to use that. Okay, Let's see if you want. Yeah, I'll do that to save us having to undo all of that. Right.
1: So, what's the total amount of dice that we're rolling
2: so far? You're up to two. I would say Bo's competitive nature, he's seeing that there is maybe some trepidation around moving the IV, you know, where we're ghosts, we're spirits, we might not be able to do it. And Bo says, the hell we are. I'm going to move this thing if it kills me.
1: And I'd also like to add, perhaps for context, this is a hospital and like, this is one of those places where people like, get creeped out really easily. So I don't know, I think maybe like, if this succeeds, then there is additional panic or at least like a little concern that like distracts Dr. Crud the third, like maybe patients are like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And he has to calm them.
0: I mean, Dr. Crud is not one for providing a sense of calm.
1: I guess that's fair. Maybe just the uh, 3D6 then? Is that what we're
3: at? Yeah.
0: Well, okay. well I, w- I was going to say if you want, because you're at 3D6 now, I'm, I'm still at one. If you fancy taking a bit of a bargain, if you give me one extra D6, so I go up to two, you're still on three. If you win, then Dr. Crud will trip over that IV stand and a few other bits and pieces and then go crashing into like a gurney, which pings him all the way down the hallway and into a wall. So he kind of gets knocked out and you have a free run. To your bodies, I'd take those odds. I would too. However, if I win, you knock the stuff over. He just kind of bashes it out of the way, and then just he makes a beeline. So you are somewhat closer to losing your bodies.
2: I like your game, Magic Man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I say we do it as long as RB has changed his D six because his current <laughs> not doing great. The one that keeps
3: rolling you on. Well, I haven't been using that one since, so...
0: Well, you, you've won a couple of rolls as well,
3: Yeah,
1: so. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys good with this?
3: Yeah. yeah let's I'm do it. Good. One one each? Let's do it.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: All right, ready? Roll them bones. I got a three.
1: I got a six.
0: Thank God. I got a one. <laughs>
1: oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Well, let's see. My highest, it would be awkward if it was a six, wouldn't it? Because then it would go right down. Ah. My highest was a four.
1: Ooh. Oh my god, you did! Jeez, GM, <laughs> come on! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were serious that time.
0: So, what happens is this: you all go in a bit of a football huddle, instigated by Bo, <laughs> <laughs> a little ghost huddle, and you go <laughs> ready, ready, go.
2: <laughs> and so,
0: uh, actually, Bo, if if we're taking this whole thing as a, a football analogy, do you want to lead?
2: Yeah. So, I think as a middle linebacker, Bo is used to being kind of like the captain of the defense, the field general, if you will. So, he is taking stock of things as the situation begins to unfold, and he's just like, okay, so first things first, somebody's got to knock over this IV. Next thing, somebody – there's a light. Somebody's going to – I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to break it, and I'm going to throw the light bulb shards on the ground, and then somebody grab the gurney and push it as he's – as the doctor's confused. All right, everybody got to plan.
3: Yes, sir. Affirmative. All
2: right, ready, break, go, Tigers. Go, Tigers. Go Tigers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mary like runs for the gurney and is just like waiting for the perfect timing.
0: It all happens. The IV stand gets knocked over. Crud trips and then tries to get his footing back, but there's glass all over the floor. So he's like, ah, 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 trips, turns around, falls onto this gurney, which Mary just shoves, and it goes.
2: <laughs> It
0: goes creakily down down the hall, but it slams into a far wall. And Dr. Crud just kind of goes flying. Actually, let's say he flies out of a window. (laughs) 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 And he lands in like a big pile of garbage uh, on the other side, because naturally he just chucks it all outside, probably. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) So he's going to wake up in a pretty bad situation Glad I'm not that guy right, let's go find those bodies Okay, so straight down the hallway It's maybe two extra doors They're both those kind of double medical (laughs) Ones you can slide a gurney through Uh, Two into there You come into this large circular operating theatre With the two gurneys holding your bodies in the middle of the floor You've got some lights above it And in tiered seating around the place Uh, You have people sat and watching, uh, none of whom you recognize, luckily, because that would be some awkward conversations. (laughs) (laughs) So the bodies of Mary and Bo are are lying there, both looking quite snotty, but otherwise undamaged. Mary, you will be thrilled to notice that the hands on your uh, physical self are not burnt in any sort of way.
1: Ah, huzzah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Bo looks over at Mary and he says, well... This is us. And he he just makes a beeline for for his body. I'm not sure how they do this, but I know in the movies they just kind of float in.
1: Uh, Mary will just follow Bo's lead and, I don't know, yeah, just kind of like go up and like try and grab her body, I guess.
0: Mary, once you kind of try and grab your body and once your spirit, spirity, spirity fingers get in contact with your fleshy self, they kind of just overlap, and you get sucked in. Whoa. Bo, I'm continuing the theming. I'm imagining you—you're running towards it like you're heading for the end zone, and yep. you kind of dive <laughs> right into it as if you're
2: doing a touchdown. Arms outstretched, making sure that uh, making sure the ball crosses the pylon, if you will. Yeah, as far as possible. <laughs>
1: I Oh, my gosh. What if, like, the force of Bo's, like, spirit tackling into his body literally just, like, flips it off the table? (laughs) That sounds perfect.
0: (laughs) Yes, that happens. Love it. Bo leaps into his own body and the extra force just sends Bo flying off the table (laughs) to which everyone around kind of jumps through a couple of shrieks. From some of the, the less stable members of the audience, which is a bit strange considering they've come to see basically an autopsy.
3: And Arby, uh, concerned that they might not see him after they arrive back in their bodies as a way to remind them that we need to get back to my body. I'm going to flick the lights on and off. <laughs> <laughs> <Nosferatu>. <laughs>
0: well, I
2: Well,
0: th- I think at that point, every audience member is going to book it right out of there. <laughs> they've seen enough.
1: mary just like immediately sits up straight like right angle and uh gets off the podium and is like come bo we must away to wing d
2: as everybody's running out for the doors bo is just pointing and yelling and that's right you remember that name bo doucet sec champion <laughs> no one is listening to you, they're all trying to make for the exit <laughs> As they should be Alright, let's go bring our robot friend back to his body Okay, so you
0: make your way back out of the operating theatre It's a strictly one-in, one-out policy in terms of doors uh, You make your way back into the corridor It's the same path Crud's gurney took So you follow follow that path <laughs> briefly Till you see a sign saying, Wing D. Uh, You follow that down and you go into a a waiting room there with a rather annoyed looking Ramona Buckler, who is, uh, for all intents and purposes, um, a 140 year old devilkin
2: with red skin and black hair.
1: Oh boy, Mary's about to have a field day.
2: I think Bo looks over at Mary and is just like, You go, I'll distract (laughs) him. Well, it's about time you
0: got here. I've been waiting for an hour for this uh, pile of scrap. I mean, you say it's uh, it's worthless, but if it were worthless, why are you making me wait? Every everything's gonna go in vague southern. As like, if I need to do any sort of American, <laughs> it says sultry. I'm not sure what sultry means.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so here we On, are. Uh,
1: honestly, like seeing seeing a devilkin. Mary just immediately like gets herself ready to cast a chaos ball and is just like, get the back, Satan. <laughs> I think <laughs> Bo,
2: Bo kind of grabs Mary's hands and is just like, well, uh, my associate here has had uh, a long day, but rest assured, we will get you to that scrap. Why don't you- Come around and follow me. I, I do apologize for the uh, the interruption, the the wait, uh, you know, uh, our union mandated uh, lunch breaks made, uh, you know, it, it was a bad time. But here, why don't you and I, why don't we go get this, uh, this scrap metal and we will take care of this and all will be well. And Bo tries to usher this woman back out the way that they came. So away from Wing D.
0: Well, how about we call that for... I think we're, we're basically running right up to the end of this. How about we call that one final challenge? I love it.
1: Nice.
0: So, as I said, she's been waiting here about an hour. She's uh, kind of peed off. So I'm going to be rolling two d6. At the moment, the stakes are if you win, then she will kind of go, yeah, fine, whatever, anything to get out of here. If I win, she will
2: insist on coming with you. All right. I would say, would I be able to add another d6 for... Uh- uh, a fellow Southerner, <laughs> a fellow resident of uh, below the
0: Mason-Dixon line, as it were. Hmm. I'm not sure, considering you both, I mean,
2: you, you live in different worlds, literally. All right. Well, you know what? Since it's the last challenge here, um, I think I might use my one stress point here. So this it's is a
0: good, good option, yeah.
2: This is something that uh, Bo, you know, really wants to make sure that this all goes well, make sure that his friend Arby is, is returned to his body.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Anything else in uh, context or traits you feel like you could make use of? No, I think that's probably it. Okay, so basically a two on two is
1: All what right. we're looking oh, that's at. So stressful.
2: Oh boy, uh, we got a we got a four and a one. Okay, well someone here got
0: a three and a two. Uh- oh. <laughs> oh
1: my god, Jim! Yeah. You gotta stop doing that. You're too good. <laughs>
0: So, by rules of how dice rolls work, that passes. She goes, oh, "Fine, my driver is waiting outside. Uh, take the scrap
2: down there, and I will go for a well-deserved drink." Oh yeah, you know, you and me both. I feel like once I get off a of shift, I feel like that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. But you, you go ahead, you go wait in the car, and we'll we'll bring around for you. Don't you worry now.
0: Very well, and she wanders off. You now have a clear run
2: to Arby's. Body. I think Bo turns around and he's like, "Misha, I didn't think that was going to
1: work." Truly, that's a champion, surely.
2: Taking over my feet. All right, let's go. Let's go get our friend back into uh, back into his body. I will zip in and try to find my body. Well, luckily, um,
0: Wing D is much more of a kind of a storage area so what you'll end up finding rb is rows of doors which go into actually you know what it's going to be um you know like in the basements of like museums they have those big like shelves which have those turny things yeah yeah yeah, on, yeah. and you keep turning them and they just move so you can get to the different bits it's one of those but it's already l- quite luckily it's already at the point where your body is just kind of lying on one of the shelves And there's just a little note attached to it saying, reserved, our buckler.
3: I will hop in.
0: You hop into your body, um, and you now have full control back over the body.
3: I will disgustedly rip the note off my head, crumple it up, and throw it away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As you should, my friend. How disrespectful. It ain't right.
0: (laughs) Now, I think there's only one thing left to uh, try and figure out. Uh, Arby, what do you do with that? medallion you were given because um it does appear now just to be on your person
3: so the player is awfully suspicious of this amulet and thinks it's a terrible idea that i brought it back but arby being new to consciousness and i guess like a normal sentient life would probably do what was asked of him and return it uh i don't know if that is a future adventure or if that's something we're trying to wrap up at the end of this episode no we 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 can just say it and it happens so we can just walk through it so he would probably bring it back there and place it on the tombstone she said she had a sister she didn't name her but i imagine i could find somebody who knows that and return it to the gravesite
0: yeah i i think probably within the the conversation you had Already, she would provide you, with, like, uh, like, after you agreed, she would provide directions and, like, details of the tombstone so you'd be able to find it. Because otherwise, like, that would be real stupid. to be like, I'll put this on my sister's <laughs> grave. I'm not going to tell you where, though.
3: It could be anywhere. <laughs> uh, what I don't know is would Bo and Mary join me or would it be a solo thing? It's up to them. I may as well see this true.
1: Yeah, Mary would join too, if only to know like where it's being kept in case some mysterious things happen.
0: Well, let's say at about sunset, you manage to reach the top of the hill where there's this singular tombstone. There's a tree, maybe let's say a cherry tree growing there. It's nice and quiet. And as the sun sets, you kind of um, put the amulet on top of the tombstone and just kind of stand there watching the sunset and head off back into town to go and live your lives because you've successfully regained them. Well done.
1: Ah, <laughs> That was so stressful in the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mary's glad to be back, but also ups- a little upset that she wasn't just back where she belonged, like back in her
3: own time.
2: Well, step by step.
3: It's a work in progress. We'll get there. I don't think it would have been so bad if we had remained in the land of the bones. Are you saying that
1: because you do
3: not have bones? No, the vapors were very pleasing.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, I think that's the
0: perfect place to leave it. That, for all intents and purposes, is the end of the episode. But what's this? Epilogue time.
4: <laughs> I knew no! it. I knew it. <laughs> it was bad. <pain. laughs>
0: that night, a storm is brewing in Nikomoy. Rain lashes against the windows in the city. No one wants to go out because the streets are turning into rivers and all the trees in the area are creaking and swaying and you think they're all going to collapse. However, on that one little hill, everything is completely calm until a bolt of lightning cracks overhead and a hand slowly rises out of that grave and a voice on the air whispers my spirit your body dear sister we will be unstoppable and that's where we're going to properly end it
3: (laughs) what did I do
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast we will of course be back Next week, with a whole new system, a whole new story, whole new characters. You're in for a wild ride, whatever it is. But as far as Dicing with Death is concerned, if you fancy playing this for yourself and helping develop this game as it goes, you want to be part of the playtest, drop an email at T-T-R-P-G, at gmail.com If you haven't left a review of this podcast yet, what are you doing? Go do that now. It takes like two minutes and it helps us reach new people, especially if you don't fancy telling people, which is fair enough. Anyway, that is it for this week. Let's say a fond farewell to Arby.
3: Arby is staring off at this impressive storm and he looks down at his arm and he says, I have major bumps of goose right now. (laughs) Bo. I don't like this storm. This
2: reminds me back home in not the good ways. And Mary.
1: Temptation perhaps does not befit an honorable man, but suspicion does.
0: Bye.
4: Bye. Bye. It's that part of the show again where we tell you about a podcast you might enjoy. Have you heard of a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast? A Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast provides mental health resources through interviews with mental health experts and trauma survivors. Loralee Binstock shares her own personal story to take you on a journey to mental wellness. Check out a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast.